Informant podcast should not be interpreted as legal advice and are intended for general information purposes only. Welcome everyone. This is Ginger Busby with Burr Informant and I have the pleasure to be here today with Teresa Hairston, the Diversity and Inclusion Engagement Lead at Mercedes-Benz. And we all know that 2020 has brought us a new reality or a broader reality. While many people have had the experience of working remotely, most businesses have not had to experience their entire workforce, or now a majority of their workforce, working remotely. So today we're going to talk about that new reality of surviving and thriving while working remotely, staying on track, and making it through mentally and physically. The goals of the podcast are going to be to try to give you some talking points, things to think about, ways to stay positive, discuss the challenges, just go ahead and understand that we're all stressed, everybody has a different reality, but hopefully to reassure you that any type change is something that you need to address, understand, and move on from so that you can be successful. Change is everywhere. 2020 has brought us all change. We hope to give you some key principles in these podcasts to help you thrive. And we're going to start off with Teresa. Teresa, give them some reality. Uh, tell them what it's like to really work remotely and what you're seeing in the business world. Hi, Ginger. Thank you so much for that introduction. So just what is the reality of working remotely? I've done some research on this topic, and the research shows that a lot of studies have been conducted on remote working in recent years, and they list the benefits for all involved. For example, remote workers have been found to take fewer days off sick. They tend to stay motivated for longer. They stay in their jobs longer. And they like to prioritize their flexibility over wage increases. So that helps them save on travel costs and other business expenses as well. So remote working sounds like the business revolution we all need, but it's not something that you can simply switch to and hope for the best. As with anything, there are downsides to remote working and a number of challenges to overcome as well. So thankfully, there are working strategies and tools that every business can use to overcome these issues in order to enjoy the full benefits that remote working has to offer. As you know, the global pandemic has accelerated the need to work remotely, and it brings with it a number of challenges for remote workers. And the challenges range from being unorganized to knowing how to unplug after work. Ginger, back to you. Thank you, Teresa. There is a lot of research out there and, and understanding what you need to do to stay productive is very, very hard. One of the things that we've learned from all of the workers that we have is that you really have to find out what works best for you individually. And one of the ways to do that is to look at what worked best for you before. Because if you were the type of person who worked in your office all day and communicated in a certain way, those things might work working remotely, but they might not. You have to shift your mindset. You have to look at what is going to keep me productive because that is what businesses are looking at. 
Unfortunately, there's a spotlight on remote workers right now by companies trying to determine, is this working? Are we productive? And your success sometimes is measured by your output. And output looks different for all individuals, depending on whether they're in the field of law, depending on whether they're in the manufacturing business, like your your business, it's just different. But you have to understand that productivity is what is important and how each individual is working the best to be productive can be different. So you have to have a strategy to do so. And I guess the question I have for you, Teresa, is what do you what do you think? What are some what is productivity? How do you define productivity? What is the business world looking at for productivity? Ginger, thank you for that question. It's a great question. So let's start by defining productivity. So what is, let's start with personal productivity. And personal productivity can be defined as the relevant output of an individual in a certain period of time. And by relevant output, I mean working on the right things. You can be highly productive and have a lot of output, but the results you achieve might be useless. When you focus on relevant output, you get the right things done, things that improve your career, your business, and the organization. So productivity is actually the number one measure that defines growth in the economy and in one's living standards, resulting in higher income, better benefits, and more free time. So productivity is definitely top of mind for people. My question for you, too, is if productivity is top of mind for people, how would you say you can focus on relevant output? How do you get the right things done? One of the things that I like to do is create a set of priorities. Given the fact that I'm now also working remote, I start my day by thinking about what the goals are for the day, what my objectives are, what do I need to get done, and I focus on how I can be most productive. So when I think about working on the right things, I want to work on tasks that achieve outcomes that are based on the goals that have been set for my work, that are based on the goals that I set for myself, and those outputs need to be measurable. So by end of day, I want to be able to say, yes, I have actually completed a a certain number of tasks. I've been able to complete conversations, answered emails, any number of tasks that allow me to totally uh, achieve the goals that are set for me by the business and the goals that I've set for myself. Given that your role at Mercedes is in the diversity and inclusion engagement space, you know, are you noticing that you're having a different uh hurdle in making sure that people feel included, that inclusiveness is paramount, or have, or is it more difficult for people just to survive individually, and is it really hurting our diversity efforts? That's a great question. It's actually a combination of things. As we have done research, what I found is 
And the research that I'm referring to is internal surveying that was done by Mercedes-Benz. And what we found is that a number of our employees do cite isolation, um, less time with their leaders, less time with their team members as being potential barriers to their success. And so what we've done to actually increase a sense of belonging, a sense of inclusion, is by asking our leaders to conduct, um, instead of fewer one-on-ones, to actually to conduct more one-on-ones, to really reach out and stay in touch with their employees. We're asking that they schedule regular meetings with the teams and to think about ways that they can be inclusive in terms of engaging everyone on the call, ensuring that individuals who rarely have the opportunity to speak up, that they have that opportunity. So we're doing any number of things, both from just a friendly, fun, uh, engaging perspective to actually looking at how we develop people. So we're rolling out a number of strategies. For example, one that involves just networking. You can actually sign up to network with other people in the organization on a regular basis. And that's a tool that we're using, developed in our HR department, that helps people to feel connected, to stay engaged. So we're really looking at some unique ways of building that sense of inclusion and belonging. You know, emotions are so important uh, when you think about 2020. Everybody is experiencing stress. People who have been affected by the virus directly, people who have been affected indirectly, many jobs have been implicated, whether it's people listening to this podcast or somebody they know. One of the things that I've tried to talk with my team about is understanding that everybody is under stress. And then you have everything else going on in the world that is causing stress. What are some tips that you have of how to address stress from your remote environment? So one of the number one ways that we ask people to, um, number one, identify that they are in fact feeling stress, and then number two, look for some solutions to that, is by conducting uh, wellness checks. So we're actually holding forms where we're asking people to check in to let us know. And we use what we call a feelings thermometer to find out where people are falling on the scale of emotional wellness, whether they are at the very bottom and they're feeling very isolated, they're feeling very challenged, all the way up to, hey, they're feeling very engaged and everything's okay, the stress is manageable. So through using that tool and having dialogue, we're able to offer tips such as, number one, one of the things that you can do is while you're setting up your home office, you can make sure that you're in a quiet and comfortable space, a space that's separate from others in your household, to the extent that you can do that, to treat your schedule just like you would in the office, build in breaks, build in a lunch period. So 
create as much structure as you can and look for ways to eliminate distractions as much as you can. Now, we understand that several people are also homeschooling at the same time, and so that's a challenge, but developing a schedule typically helps to minimize the distractions that you have at home. And other things that we're doing is asking people to schedule time to get up from their workspace, go for a walk, get some fresh air, and to spend time having conversations with their friends and colleagues at work. So setting up a virtual discussion, having a virtual coffee date, that sort of thing, all the way to helping individuals who are feeling extreme amounts of stress reach out to the employee assistance program to get even more help. And so we're finding that through a combination of those tips and strategies, most employees are saying, I feel engaged now. I feel a sense of belonging. I'm feeling less stressed. We just completed a survey on this and the results were very positive. Most employees have now created some type of a schedule some type of a process that works for them. And one thing I do want to mention is that we also ask employees to feel free to come to the office to pick up work supplies. If you needed to have your computer, a larger monitor, to have a desk chair at home to help set up the home office, they were able to do that. So in essence, we were able to help them replicate the office setting at home. And by doing that, a lot of our employees felt that they were much more effective in working at home because they were able to simulate their previous work environment. But what I find that's incredibly important is that our employees continue to reach out to their colleagues, to engage with them, to to network, to have conversation, and that replaces the in-person water cooler conversations, the lunch dates, and things of that nature. Yeah, so I was making some notes, as you said it. So if we had a bullet list of things that people could do and some tips, I think I'll just provide those in a little short nugget of time. Then we can move to the recognition that not everybody is working remote. And so that has its own issues of trust and recognition of productivity. So for this segment, you know, what would I say the top 10 tips are to work remote? Number one, get dressed. Yes. Now, you would think that that would be something that would not have to be said, but what I have found, and I'm talking about myself when I say this, when I was working remote, I just kept my nightgown on for about three hours. I thought that I was fine until I had to get on some Zoom calls and then get up and get dressed. And I'll tell you, a couple people made fun of me that I was sitting there in my nice black dress with my pearls on, you know, when everybody else was kind of dressed casually on the call. And I think everybody has to determine, you know, what makes you most comfortable. But for me, actually getting up and getting dressed in work clothes put me in the mindset that it was my work day. So I'd say get dressed is a good tip. The second thing you've already mentioned, having regular hours, you know, that works uh, for some people, but other people, their hours are irregular depending on what their job is. So you have to set work parameters that work for you. And do it in a dedicated area, whether you have a space to have a home office or whether it's just your dining room table or your kitchen table, 
Uh, the research shows that as long as you get up and go to a specific place, at least your mindset thinks that you're going to your work area. And establish a routine. You know, what is the routine that you're going to have? Are you Do you normally have breaks at work at a certain time? You know, people say go out to lunch safely, of course, but at least go outside, eat your lunch on the porch or run through a drive through something that makes you take a break from your work. But if you're one of those people who uh, stayed in the building when you were in your building and ate lunch at your desk, that might work for you. It's all you have to determine what works for you and makes you feel like you were doing the job that you were doing before. You do have to have ground rules. You know, as you mentioned, there are people in your uh, space that you normally didn't have if you went to an office. You just had different type people. So now you may be homeschooling your children. Your pets may have anxiety because they had gotten used to you not being there. Now they're sitting on top of you the entire time. That's my experience with Oreo. I think he's going to have to go on doggy Xanax because of his separation anxiety from me when I'm not there now. But you have to have ground rules. You know, tell them, look, I, you know, I have to be on the call. It may be your partner, your significant other, your spouse, and you both may be having to share the same space. Some people can do that easily. A lot of people can't. So you have to have ground rules. And then you have to communicate about what do you need? What do you need to be successful? And this is where I think a lot of people need to take more initiative. You know, we've spent a lot of time talking about what, you know, managers can do to try to help people who are working remotely. But the truth is, as long as there is communication, that is what you had before and that is what you need to establish. You need to make a bigger effort, particularly if you were used to being with people in person meetings. You know, there's a lot of Zoom meetings and those were great, but frankly, I'm seeing a lot of Zoom fatigue. If I have to get up one more day and make sure my lipstick is perfect and focus on my own self in a reflected back at me, which makes me see all the wrinkles and all the things that I didn't moisturize, you know, that's stress in and of itself. So Zoom is great, but when you're in person with people, you see them and not yourself. On Zoom, you can see yourself and that's a, no, a whole nother area of stress. And then you have to take some time to do things that... Uh, you might not otherwise do. And that is recognizing that if you are in a situation where half of the workforce is still working remotely and half of the workforce is not, that's going to impact morale. And so it takes recognition on both sides that you want to feel valued if you are in the office, you want to feel valued if you are at home. And you don't want there to be a disconnect that everybody is valued and working and pulling their own weight. So you have to trust that that's what's going on. And in order to have trust, you have to build trust. And oftentimes it just takes communication. And I think that it's very important to take initiative. If you previously were not remote and now you are, you have to learn to take more initiative and that's going to bring you more recognition to your value. And finally, I would say you have to stay positive. There's so many things to be worried about, down about, negative about right now. But as long as we stay positive, then I think that we're going to come out of this with a different view of how people can work 
remotely successfully. I think it's going to help us in our flexibility of how people work. But I also think that there's going to be a surge to get back to have personal interaction, and that will take some adjustment as well. Those are the tips that we have for you today as it relates to how to work remotely. So I guess the next question, Teresa, is even if you apply as many of those tips as you can, what do you see as the hurdles for your workforce working remotely from home? So I think one of the biggest hurdles is the unknown. At this point, we have been told that we're going to continue working remote until the end of March 2021. And so that means that we can plan in the short term to continue to work from home. But the question becomes, well, what happens after that? So we are working very hard to keep our employees informed about the business decisions on when we can reopen, when we can safely go back into the workplace. But we've also realized that we need to make some accommodations because there are people who are really struggling to work from home every single day. So we've been able to create spaces within the facility, within the work site, to allow people to make arrangements ahead of time to reserve a space, come into the facility and work. They're social distanced. They are wearing masks. And we're finding that for the people who are really struggling with social isolation, that this has been a really good solution. And so our overall commitment is to continue to inform our employees of what's going on with reopening the business fully and to continue to listen to them, to hear what their concerns are, and to put in place as many strategies as we can to really help ease this process for them. And so we, we really want to deal with that fear of the unknown um, up front. We want to acknowledge what our employees are feeling. And then we want to continue communicating. And through communicating and listening, we want to look for solutions, suggestions from our employees, as well as some of the best practices from other organizations to really ease this transition. Because no one really anticipated this pandemic, the length of time that it would allow people to work remotely. And then I think on the other side of it, we're finding that there are going to be people who are going to want to continue to work remotely. They've found that they've become accustomed to it, that it's really working for them. And a recent survey showed that the majority of employees say, we want to continue working from home for at least three days a week. So we're going to be looking at ways to potentially accommodate that. And so, again, dealing with the unknown, being available, listening hard, answering questions, and coming up with solutions is the approach that we're taking. Thank you. And I think you're right. We've seen that many people, for different reasons, while they feel isolated, they do like the flexibility of being able to stay home and do their job on some days, whether it be for traffic, whether it be for availability to be more productive, they take less time in travel back and forth. I think there are a lot of reasons, each personal to each individual, why remote working, at least for some, might be the wave of the future. 
But you have to compare that with you have all of these companies who have the need for people to be present. You have the office space. You have the economic realities of the world. And so it's going to be a balance of what we do moving forward. But right now, keeping people motivated who may, as you said, they've been told that in many businesses, you're not going back until uh, the earliest January. You're not going back till the earliest March. We don't know when anybody's going to come back. For many, that fatigue of the unknown, the fatigue of feeling like their routine has not changed every day is a real stressor. What do you suggest to keep your employees motivated while they are working remotely? One of the top ways we're keeping people motivated is by continuing to communicate early and often. We continue to provide tips on how to work remotely. We continue to provide strategies for employees to be connected, like the networking program that I mentioned. We also are asking leaders to step up to be more effective in engaging their teams. We're also making sure that we're accommodating our employees through the ability to come into the workplace, at least on a part-time basis. And now we're actually hosting some events that we're holding outside of the building in the parking lot. One example was with our HR department, we decided to do a tailgate party and it was really fun. It was focused on football. We barbecued, we had games and we were able to network and have fun. So we're trying to be much more creative around ways that we can gather, ways that we can even volunteer together with the HR event. A part of it was a competition to do a food drive. So each function within HR, brought in canned foods, and we were able to weigh them and to have a little competitive spirit to find out who won um, based on the weight of the food. And so as a result of that, our employees not only were able to come to a fun event, but they were able to be given credit for volunteerism by participating in the food drive. And that solved two things. One, the the need to gather safely. We were masked, we were socially distanced, but also we were able to give back to the community, which brings a lot of satisfaction in and of itself. So we're continuing, we're continuing to do certain things on a regular basis. There, there's just a certain set of strategies that we know we're going to continue to do, but we're also continuing to research new ways to drive engagement and to really build inclusion. Wow. I mean, that's just is so impressive. Thank you. That y'all were able to think about how to do that, which brings me to really my last question uh, for our first podcast, and that is, These have been tips for people of how to engage with their own team, with their own employees. But the real world is we have to engage with each other. So we have to cross market. We have to talk to our clients. Vern Foreman has to be able to talk with people who are at Mercedes. We want to offer safe places where people feel like they can interact, not just by Zoom, but maybe otherwise. What is it as a client that you appreciate from your lawyers, 
your customers, your outsourced materials, your organizations that you're in? What helps you the most? What can we do in communicating with you that helps you the most? That's a brilliant question. What can you do to help me the most? So as an organization, I would say, number one, staying in touch and doing regular check-ins and communicating regularly on business results, the business strategy, new developments in the business. Let people know how the organization is doing, because we do want to know that our contributions make a difference, that that what we do counts. So that's incredibly important. Communication, even over communication and communication through various channels. Maybe it's a virtual town hall, maybe it's an email blast, or maybe it's a um, just a Zoom meeting with everyone. Whatever channels that you use, whatever channels are most successful, continue the communication and the two-way dialogue. Another thing that the organization can do is, is ask employees, well, what's on your minds? What, what are some of the challenges and even the triumphs that you're experiencing? What are some of the leading practices? What are some of the learnings that you have? And how can we scale those and offer them to other people in the organization, to other departments, offer it to other employees, other functions, and I think all of that's critically important, but I think what's most key is nurturing the relationship with your leader, because most people experience the organization most profoundly through the relationship with their own leader. And one of the things that I do is I have regular one-on-ones with my leader, and then we have departmental meetings, and then my leader is available throughout the day, whether it's by phone, by text, by email, so we can continue to communicate. So the dialogue doesn't stop because we're remote. If anything, the dialogue actually continues because we don't have the face-to-face interactions any longer, but we can certainly communicate in other ways ways. So I would say the key to helping the organization be effective during times like this, and particularly while people are working remote, is to amp up the communication, also provide recognition to employees. That's one of the things that most people feel um, may be a little bit of a struggle. How do you recognize people and their contributions? So during town halls, Within the HR function, we're doing things such as shout outs. So everyone has a chance on that Zoom meeting to give praise and to give recognition to their peers, to their leaders for ways that they've helped them, whether it was collaborating on a project, whether it was supporting some type of an activity or a rollout of of a new business product whatever that may be. So we're able to replicate the in-person environment as much as we can by doing things like that. Great advice that you have and the great programs that Mercedes has uh, to recognize these people. And we appreciate those tips. I guess one of the things that I heard you say that we need to just put out there in plain language, pick up the telephone. Sometimes we're so used to technology that we forget the old-fashioned pick up the telephone. So thank you for picking up your telephone and helping us with this podcast today. It's great to hear you 
And I know that everybody will be looking forward to our next two podcasts in this series, Surviving and Finding Motivation Through Times of Change. We all need that. And then Thriving Self-Care for the Long Haul. Many people picked up and started exercise. Many people sat on the couch and gained weight. We're going to just have to address that straight out. And I hope you will all join us as we try to give you some tips in both areas in our next two podcasts. Teresa, thank you again. Ginger, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much.